All right. Hey, hey, hey. How's it going, everybody? Xander Fryer, CEO and founder of High Impact Coaching, best-selling author here with the one, the only, Kahal Walsh, who's actually the head of our business strategy at High Impact Coaching. Kahal, how are you doing today? Good, man. Good. Really good. Beautiful. Welcome to uh, the High Impact Coaching podcast and live show. So today we're going to be talking about, guys, we're going to be talking about how to sell a million dollars a year in coaching services with Kahal. So Kahal, over the last four years, has averaged a million dollars a year in coaching services sold over the phone specifically. And now he's part of our team and actually, you know, helps coach a lot of our clients and teaching them to do the same thing. So we've got a lot to dig into here, but before we dig into the sales side of things, Kahal, I'd love to get everybody to get a little bit of a background on you. I know you've got an amazing history of like where you came from to get to this point with over 25 years of entrepreneurial experience. So before we even get into that, like when you were growing up, did you always know that you were good at sales? Like where did that come from? <laughs> did, you just, well, did you just come out of the womb with like money in your hands? Like tell me. Uh, no. Um, I, well, actually, I, as you know, I, I grew up in Ireland and my dad was a professional salesman, like and really in the traditional sense, you know, he was a, like a traveling salesman in a way. He would, he would leave every Monday morning with his sample cases and head down the country and he sold jewelry to like retailers and so forth. So, you know, I always grew up looking at like selling as being, most people look at their parents as like, you know, hey, this is an awesome thing that my yeah. dad does and sells, right? So it wasn't until I got a little older that I realized that not everyone has that same belief system <laughs> around salespeople and selling, right? They're not superheroes. Uh, You're like, why are other people saying this about my yeah, dad? It's like, it was kind of weird. So yeah, I definitely had a very different early exposure to sales. And also, you know, the approach to selling that I was exposed to from my dad was very much around relationship building and yeah. having conversations. Yeah. From a young age, you were actually taught like what selling actually is rather than kind of the BS that a lot of people are fed around what sales yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. And also that it's a good thing. Yeah, like, absolutely. It's well, actually it's, a really good thing. And that's something I think is sometimes missed too, right? It's funny you bring that up because I was actually, so I was on the phone with Joel Marion this morning after you and I talked and we were talking about sales and he said, cause I was talking about how everybody thinks, you know, sales is this negative thing. And he's like, well, yeah, people don't, you know, sales is just a tool, right? Yeah. It can be used by bad people for bad things, or it can be used by good people for good things. He's like, you're not like, dude, knives are like the worst thing in the entire world. They kill people. Like, yeah, but can we at least just use it to cut the steak tonight? Like, yeah. it serves other purposes that are very helpful for people as well, right? Mm -hmm. But you don't have this like vendetta against knives, really, right? No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's actually, you know, one of the things we see, as you know, I've taught martial arts for a lot of years, and we used to say that there's no such thing as a, like a weapon is just a weapon you can use to hurt someone, but it can also be used as a tool. It can also be used to create something. And, you know, it's really the only use of it. And selling is very much in that same vein, for sure. Yeah. Amazing. All right. So you learned that sales was not a bad thing. Yeah. From a very, very young age. I think this is really crucial for a lot of people because I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons, one of the biggest hangups that I think a lot of coaches have is like from a young age, they're basically taught that sales is a bad thing, right? Now that you've learned that sales is actually a good thing. So you start your entrepreneurial career in the martial arts and basically brick and mortar space, right? Tell us more about that and everything that you learned there. 
Yeah, actually, it's really interesting because I didn't, you know, when I left high school, I wanted to pursue a career in sales directly. And my dad actually talked me out of it and, you know, said, no, you don't want to go down that road, you know, like go to university, get a real career, you know what I mean? And so I actually went into education and I became a teacher and I actually ended up coaching a lot outside of teaching. I coached tennis, I taught martial arts. And this was something else that really came to me is that when you're a good coach, you need to be good at selling because you're selling ideas. You're selling the willingness to change. And so like, having good sales skills makes you a really good coach. A, a better coach, yeah. A better coach, yeah. So I really spent a lot of time coaching, like I say, tennis and then coaching martial arts and got to a point where I had that other side of me that wanted to have the business side of it grow. So I did start uh, martial arts locations. I ended up with you know three bricks and mortar locations, and then I had some licensed locations locally as well as in other provinces in Canada, and just developed that over 20 years while maintaining my career in education as I went along. So yeah, kind of doing double duty as many coaches do when they're growing their coaching. Business. I didn't know that you were doing both at the same time, man. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I was I was 20 years in education as a principal, as a school principal and teacher, and I also had my chain of martial arts schools going. Uh, concurrently so from school principal to sales badass <laughs> yeah I like but I, I you know I, I exited all of that in 2014 when I left education I built up my martial arts schools further in the next year year and a half and then I sold all my locations and went 100% online with um, yeah. originally coaching and quickly transitioned into the selling space of coaching where I saw really the most need for really good coaches that were struggling to grow. Yeah, absolutely. Question for you, actually, this is, I think you and I have talked about this a little bit, but like the era we live in is just like, especially with the online space, right? You spent 20 years in the brick and mortar space. Yeah. In the online space, it's such a gift, the technology we have and the opportunity that we have to connect with people all over the world and everything like that. Like, I think it's interesting for a lot of people that don't really like recognize these opportunities or take full advantage of them? Like, do you notice that at all in the coaching space? Like, yeah. And you know, as you know, I'm a little older than most of my peers. Although 20, I, 24, I, 25, right? I identify as a millennial, right? So I'm <laughs> so, but, I'll be honest, uh, man, you're more millennial than I am. <laughs> a lot of coaches I talk to, you know, even in their late twenties or early thirties feel like they may have missed out on some of these like opportunities. And it's like, you know, I was in my mid 40s when I started to really dive into this stuff, right? So, you know, when you come from a place where literally, you know, pre-internet, pre-Facebook, in terms of business tools, right? You definitely have developed an understanding and appreciation for putting in the work and the diversity of marketing and so forth to bring your audience to you, you know, yeah. and, and those trend, that, that principle transfers into the online space. But you're right, the ease at which we can attract clients especially organically with the systems like of what we're doing with high impact coaching like wow what a game changer for building your business i think about like the way that your dad had to build his business like literally had to walk from door to door (laughs) like think of the vulnerability that that takes compared Uh to like us doing this facebook live right now yes like this is so easy and so simple like you're up in you know vancouver victoria canada Right. And I'm in San Diego and we're able to just do this. Like we didn't have to like meet up somewhere in the middle and walk door to door and find every coach on the block or something. Yes. Like that, right. Yeah. Like it's amazing to me yet. Everybody will come up with reasons like not to do this stuff. It's so much less invasive than what you used to have to do to have your own business. 
Yeah, and I think in some ways it might even have kind of softened or weakened the resilience and the resolve to make things happen. You know, like we are now like... Did you just talk weak? No, no, not at all, Xander. I've I've seen the guns. It's good. Yeah. Um, just that expectation that comes with, hey, you know what? Like, I have a website. Why aren't people just coming to me? Yeah. Now? I've done my part. You know, I posted on Instagram. Why aren't yeah. clients coming to me? You know, and, and just that little extra resilience to keep at it and be persistent with the right actions is something I think is really important. I think that's huge. And I know we haven't even gone to like the sales stuff yet, but like, I think what we just hit on might be, in my opinion, one of the biggest like hindrances in people building their coaching business. And it's exactly what you just mentioned. It's like, we've created weak entrepreneurs, frankly, right? Because there's such a low barrier to like actually start to do this stuff that nobody's willing to actually just do the things that you need to do. Like it's a Facebook live or it's putting yourself out there. It's just a tiny little bit compared to like having to walk door to door for an entire day to sell jewelry out of briefcases or something. <laughs> yes. And that takes, that takes serious resolve. That takes serious commitment. Mm-hmm. Right. But now I think it's just, it's such a low barrier to entry that a lot of people just don't have that commitment maybe. And you know, and in all fairness, like we get a lot of messages that you don't have to work hard and you don't have to put in that time. Like we get the instant success message yeah. coming at us through internet marketing that like, Hey, you know, do this in 30 days, you'll have this, right? And, and so the expectations have been skewed as well in terms of what it really takes yeah. to build a business, what it really takes to build a successful, sustainable business. The single page sales funnel that netted me seven figures in 27 minutes. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. 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 No, that's interesting. I love that so far, by the way. So over the last four years, is it four or five years, you've averaged over a million dollars in sales in the coaching space specifically. I'm sure everybody out there would love to hear as a sales guy, right? Like I will ask this question, probably knowing the pushback and the answer that you're going to give me is, Kahal, what's the trick? (laughs) How do you do it? You know, what's what's the uh, silver bullet to sell seven figures? There is a silver bullet actually, I believe, but it's not what most people I think think of. It's, I think it's just consistency. I think that, and I'll explain what I mean by that. Like consistency in doing the same thing repeatedly so you can get first good at it and you can make very, very subtle iterative changes to your growth. What I see from a lot of coaches is they keep changing what they're doing. Like they change their offer. Then they'll change their delivery of the call, like what they say on the call. And in fact, they'll make do 10 calls in a row and they'll do all 10 of them differently. And the challenge with that is that even if they get one or two successes or they get one or two that really bond, they have no idea of why. And they can't, they can't come. Yeah. They can't take proper feedback to adjust and create that system or that structure. Yeah. 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 So consistency is so, so important and being willing to take the time to, you know, like we have a framework in high impact coaching. If clients don't deviate from that, like if they actually do that, we know, predictable certainty what the results are going to be yeah so it's that temptation and this is where i think coaches really struggle is they want to make it their own which is good you know you want your personality coming through but you can't deviate from what works so staying consistent is a huge part and the other part of that i think that's linked to it is you know most coaches don't know their numbers they don't actually know the data behind what they're doing so it's hard for them to assess what's working and what's not. Yeah. So if they're not tracking 
all of their conversations, if they're not tracking all of their you know, calls and the results of those calls and the timelines that are happening to, to enrolling and so forth, they might be doing better than they think or worse than they feel yeah. and not even be aware of it. So you know, these are some of the, the elements I see are most common. It's related, all related to consistency. Yeah. Well, you hit on a couple of things there that like really struck a chord with me. I remember we had one of our clients that she was in the health coaching space and she was making like $2,000 a month because she was charging like $200 a month for her services or whatever. And I remember the first month that she first started working with us, she hopped on a call with me and she goes, Xander, like nobody can afford, you asked me to increase my prices and nobody can afford the new prices. Right. And I was like, what do you mean nobody can afford the new prices? She's like, everybody's saying that it's too much money. Right. And I go, okay, so you know, how many clients have you gotten on consultation calls? And she goes, 12 last month. And I go, how many enrolled into your new 3K service? And she goes, four. And I go, wait, wait, wait. So you're telling me that you went from 2,000 a month to 12,000 a month, and you got four out of 12 people to enroll for a 3K service, right? But they get stuck in the story of, well, these other eight said they can't afford it, yeah. right? But yeah, you also 6X'd your income. And your clients are more committed than ever. But it's like, if you look at the data rather than the drama, the story, yeah. I think that's a big problem that coaches have and it throws off their consistency massively. It sure does. And I think that mindset is also, obviously in sales, mindset is incredibly important. You know, one of the expressions I heard a long time ago is, you know, focus on the ones who will, not the ones who won't. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you can have go through a series of like enrolling clients, things are going really well. Then you have that one consult that goes badly yeah. and you start changing everything that you've been doing that's working. You've heard me say this before, like, Hey, you know, why did they stop doing this? Oh, it was working. So they stopped doing it yeah. because they had one event or one set of feedback, often even from someone who's not even a client gives yeah. them feedback. Like you're charging too much or, you know, you shouldn't do this or that. And, and they change based on that one emotional exchange and it takes them off the track that was working, that was building their growth. Yeah, that's amazing. So let me ask you this, especially in sales. And I think this is something for all coaches, because, you know, one of the things we always talk about is like to have a coaching business, right? I think coaches forget there's two halves to a coaching business. You have coaching and you have a business, right? Like you can't just be a good coach. You have to be great at business, which means what? Great at marketing, promoting, and selling. Right. And so every coach, as they start to build their coaching businesses or get to six figures, multiple six figures, seven figures, they're going to have a moment like you just mentioned where like something bad's going to happen. Something's going to go wrong. They're going to have a terrible call or, you know, something's going to happen when that happens to you, or maybe in the past when that used to happen to you, how would you recover from it? You know, what's one tip you can give to everybody to recover from like that crap call that like really hit you hard? Yeah, one and it will always happen. <laughs> in yeah. fact, it may happen more as you start as, to grow. As you, so, get, yeah, yeah. as you have more calls, um, as you grow more, yeah. You know, and there's a couple of things to this. I think obviously what you just said, like knowing your numbers, knowing that what you're doing is working is so important. I often will revisit, you know, screenshots or messages that people have sent to me personally, like thanking me for helping them make a decision. Because remember, that's ultimately what we're doing in selling is we're, we're, when we do it ethically, we're helping people make better decisions for themselves. So, you know, revisiting those times when you know you've made a massive difference and every one of our coaches, when they start with us and, now, and when they grow with us, are changing lives. So like, 
having a way to revisit that to affirm you're on the right path and to stay resolved. And also, you know, being aware of that mindset, being aware that this is normal in sales to have doubt. Like I've been doing this a long time. I've had thousands and thousands of phone calls, literally. And there are days and weeks where I start to question, "Hmm, maybe I'm, am I doing, and like, I'm aware that it's happening. Like, you know, it's already Wednesday and I didn't enroll anyone in this. Like, what's going on? You know what I mean? And it's like, it's silly. It sounds silly, but that's how our brain is it's always looking for what's not working. And we need to rewire ourselves to focus on what is working. So having the ability to access, listen to a previous call that you did that was very positive. I like to take my script out. And even though I know it inside and outside and upside, and I have it in front of me. If I hit a slump or I hit a time when I'm not, I go, I read word for word. And I just go yeah. back to basics. And that has been proven to be successful, not just in sales and just about every other field is getting right back to the foundation of what works. So you just brought up another thing that I think is really important, the script, right? Mm-hmm. Because this is so crucial. I remember, you know, when I was first starting coaching, that was probably the most important thing was like, it's such an emotional process, especially when you're first yes. learning it, right? Like if you don't have a framework, you're all over the place and you just, you get eaten up, right? Like, so is this something you see in the coaching space a lot? Like people just not having the frameworks? Like, Actually, I see it actually. There's definitely that where they just wing it on the call. Yeah. That's definitely, you know, and that is ultimately the worst way you can possibly do it because you're going you're gonna to have all kinds of highs and lows. But what I see even more common is they do have a framework. They do have a script, but they don't consistently execute on it. And they, you know, it, it would be kind of like, Someone, like you use this analogy with the recipe and making a cake. Well, like imagine getting the recipe, but just like not following it 10 times in a row and then trying to figure out why that, you know, one dish turned out just perfect and the other one's bombed. It's like, if you don't follow, it goes back to consistency. If you don't follow the framework, you're not going to have any kind of idea of what's working. And so what I see more common than not is like just going way off on tangents and letting coaches like to share how much they can do for people. And it becomes more of a conversation about them instead of a conversation about the client. Yeah. And when that happens, you've lost the sale. You've lost the chance to help that person. I I love that you just shared that. You know, one of the things we always talk about is how smart coaches end up being broke coaches. And it's literally for this exact reason, right? It's like, whether they notice it consciously or not, it's like, oh, I'm going to do this my way. I'm going to get my two cents in here, right? Because that's kind of why you become a coach, to get your knowledge and your expertise out to the world. And you don't really realize that like on a sales conversation isn't really the right time to do that. And so they deviate from this script and they end up not enrolling clients and they don't realize why. And then it's like, no offense to all the successful coaches out there, right? But it's the dumb coaches that end up being successful. And it's not necessarily that they're dumb. It's that they're humble enough to realize like, I need to get myself out of my own way and just follow this framework that works, right? And I think that's a huge, huge piece of it. Yeah. 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 And I think also like, with those calls, instead of sharing and talking about yourself and about what you can do and all of that stuff is, you know, making sure that questions are driving the conversation. Yeah. You know, uh, if you're asking questions, that truly is what listening is about. And we all have heard that, you know, selling is about listening. Well, listening requires you to ask questions so you can hear what the responses are. So, yeah. you know, questioning is key. Intelligent questions, the right questions. The right questions, yeah. The, right. Not, just, not just any questions, the right and, questions. And questions related to their responses. And that's where you have to be listening. Like, you know, each question your prospect responds to should have a deeper question that follows and deeper after that. And that's when you really open up what's happening. I love that. 
what are the top three mistakes that you see coaches making when it comes to learning how to sell? So we can make sure that everybody stops making these mistakes. Okay. Well, off the top of my head, I would say negotiating price. Yeah. Uh, they feel a need to like cut deals and make, you know, kind of special arrangements for each client they work with. I think it's on a subconscious level, it weakens their own integrity around their yeah. value. And I think on an external level, it weakens your integrity as what you're doing because each client really, just because they don't say they have pressure doesn't mean they don't. So if you're going to charge client A X amount of dollars, then you should not be discounting that for client B and C just because they tell you a, there's a reason, you know what I mean? So I think that's one thing I see a lot of negotiation around price and doing special deals. It's not the way to go. No, the other part I think you just brought up a really good point though, that it's really out of integrity. It is. It yeah, really is. And not just with like for that person, but like with yourself and with your other, other clients. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I, I think we, we talked about already, you know, the focus on the client, not on themselves. You know, we're in, a, we're in an industry where people really do value credentials and chasing, you know, certifications and validation. And we need to recognize, and coaches need to recognize that you're doing that. You know, obviously you want to be trained and equipped to deliver your craft. It's very important. But there comes a point where that becomes an internal insecurity that you're trying to fill. And when that comes out in the conversation, in the sales conversation, where you're trying to move the client to decision based on your years of experience or based on your credentials or where you went to get your health coaching or your life coaching or whatever certificate you have, again, you've lost that connection with the client. Yeah. It's, it's shifted. Well, I, love so what, I love what you just said. Around, like, that's really like... You're not trying to convince them that you're qualified. You're trying to you're convince, trying to yourself. convince yourself. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you really are. And it's, you know, we I talked swear about I'm it. good enough. I swear I can do this. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely that. And, you know, uh, there's so many other things. But, I, you know, I, I think that in large part, belief has a huge part in it. Like actually believing that this is something that you can help people with. And if you really have that belief that this is going to work and that this is, you're strong in that mindset and you're strong in that conviction, you won't take the shortcuts and you won't undersell yourself and you won't undervalue what you offer. And you'll actually really help people on a wider scale. The bigger thing I see is that, you know, coaches have very low expectations sometimes on what they're capable of and what their potential yeah. is to help people. And they'll often justify it as being, hey, you know, I don't want to be like, I don't need to make a whole lot of money. I don't need to be super successful i just want i would to i would like, do this for free yeah because i love doing it so much yeah i just want to work with like 10 clients and you know maybe make 5k a month and you know that, that would be super good for me it's really just like a protection thing they're doing because yeah ultimately they want to help a lot more people than that yeah um, but they recognize that to do that there's going to be a value exchange which means they're going to make a whole lot more money which they are not comfortable with because yeah. they've associated that in some way with being disingenuous or selling out or yes, selling out yeah yeah and i think there's something that you kind of subtly hit on there as well it's not even just the belief not even the just the belief of themselves and their value but you subtly mentioned you know that the belief that when you have someone pay you they actually get better results they get more value from you, right? So I learned this when I first started my coaching business. One of my mentors said, Xander, one of the things you have to learn is people who pay you pay attention, right? People who pay, pay attention. And we've found this over and over and over again. We've had clients with like $300 services that 10X their price to 3K and they've been doing it for 10 years. And then all of a sudden their clients get better results 
it's the same service, but their clients are getting better results, which is crazy, right? But the only variable that changes is they paid more. So they were more committed. So they actually took the actions they needed to take. And I think when you shift that belief as well, you start to realize that I'm not actually charging money for me. I'm charging money for the other person, which is really, really weird to think about. But it's like when you shift that belief, a lot of things change. Yeah, you know, the, the relationship between the investment that people make and the results they get is undeniable. And we've seen this in the, you know, the health and fitness space, especially is, you know, with the discount gyms, you know, look at Planet Fitness, you know, like as, a, as an example, like $10 a month memberships or whatever, like what kind of results are people getting Yeah. in that environment, in that experience, right? So there is a relationship. It's very, very significant between the investment people make and their results. Is it weird that as soon as you mentioned that, I had like the scene from like dodgeball in my head with like everything goes <laughs> and then Globo Gym on the other side? <laughs> I'm not knocking Planet Fitness. I think they do a really great job of helping other coaches position themselves as, <laughs> as a better option. So I'm not, I'm not knocking them. I think they play a role in that. Oh, that's too good. That's too good. I love it. All right, last question for you. This is probably one of the questions that I get the most when people are asking me sales questions. So I have to ask it to you. Kahal, how do you respond to the money objection? (laughs) (laughs) Well, first thing is, I always, when I ask this question, I always respond this way. Well, first of all, you need to separate out objections from complaints. Okay. So, you know, a good example is people complain about the price of gas or the price of milk or whatever their, you know, commodities that are out there. But when you're on a long distance, you know, road trip and someone says, man, look at the price of gas. You don't say, well, look, we're going to this destination. Let me tell you why we need to stop and get yeah. gas. Like, it's just assumed that you're going to fill up and continue your journey. You're, you're going to do it, yeah. So one of the things that will probably overcome that objection, you know, at least a third of the time is not trying to overcome that objection, not even treating it like an objection. If it comes up multiple times, perhaps it is. But generally speaking, when someone laments about the price of the investment, It's not a no, and it's not an objection. What they're saying is, is that I need to figure out how to pay for this. Like, and then maybe that's what you need to focus on. You know, is one thing. But you know, with all objections, you know, Xander, as you know, if you're dealing with a lot of objections at the end of the consult, whether it's money or other, you've likely missed steps along the way to resolve those. You know, before someone can be, you know, quote unquote, closed into doing your program, they have to be first sold on doing your program. And I see that as a disconnect sometimes where people are trying to overcome objections when the person hasn't been sold. They haven't actually been sold on that this is the thing that they want to buy yet. So you need to step back and realize that is that what's happening? And there's one question you can ask that will help you know and give you a bit of a litmus test or a barometer of how well you've done with your consult before you get there. And you simply ask them, before you talk about price or investment or anything, you simply ask them, does this sound like what you need? Yeah. The simple question. And the level of positivity of response you get is going to tell you if you should even be talking about money. Yeah. And money. Because if you get a response like, yeah, it sounds interesting. Okay. Now you're going to have money objections. Yeah. Sure. Right. Because they haven't, they haven't really been sold on the value. Of I'm it. not going to invest in something that's interesting. I'm going to invest yeah. in something that I also, if you get a response like, oh my God, like I have to have this. This is exactly what I've been waiting for. Like you said everything that I know I need 
you're not going to get a money objection. You might have to you get know, a money of complaint, maybe. maybe. You might get a money complaint, but maybe not even. But so I think that's, you know, sometimes we focus on the wrong things, right? And you've heard the expression, obviously, we all have, you know, what you focus on expands. And I find with so many coaches, if they're focused on overcoming objections as improving their sales, they're focusing on the wrong things. Yeah. They're probably going to end up with a lot more objections to have to do. They're going to end up with a lot more objections. <laughs> and, you know, and tied to that, it's, we talked about earlier about belief and value and pricing. If you and your core don't believe you should be charging more money and don't believe that, you know, investing in yourself or your own growth is, you know, worth thousands of dollars or whatever it is that you're doing. If you don't believe that, how on earth are you going to have your clients believe in you? So you need to first be the client you want to attract or be the person you want to attract so that you can project on them with integrity, your belief systems around their decisions. Yeah. That's amazing. I think that's a good note to close out on, Kahal. Right on. Any last piece of advice, last tidbits you want to give everybody before I let you go? You know, I think that the best advice I would give is that I know coaching and entrepreneurship can feel like a really lonely, isolated thing to be doing. And you don't have to do this alone. Like there are models out there. There are, you know, mentors and coaches out there that can help you get to where you want to be, you know, with greater speed and also greater effect and impact. So you don't have to go it alone. Yeah. You can be part of a community that can really help you and you don't have to figure things out by yourself. You know, it's being done. Success leaves clues is the test, right? So, um, you yeah. Beautiful. Thank you for that, Kahal. I want to thank everybody out there who's watching this live. Thank you guys for tuning in live. For everybody that's listening in on the podcast, if you want to catch this live next time and join in for more of these interviews, go ahead and go to xanderfryer.com forward slash FB group. And for anybody out there that wants our model, the high impact coaching system to help you build a profitable coaching business in the next 90 days, go ahead and go to xanderfryer.com forward slash apply and we'll schedule a 15 minute call with you to kind of dig in where you're at, what's working, what's not working and see what you need to focus on to get yourself moving forward and actually to that full-time income and above. So thanks again, Kahal. Really appreciate it. Thank you guys all out there and we'll catch you on the next episode.